The factory stock summer break is upon us, and the most recent results of the Summit Racing Equipment NHRA Nationals have Drew Skillman picking up another win. Drew Skillman is our guest, and he answers questions from Factory Stock Podcast listeners. He got the win, but was hit with a rules change. We're definitely not uh, just riding on our laurels. We're going to keep working hard. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. We keep getting neutered by the NHRA. Um, I think soon they're going to start putting a throttle stop on our cars just to make it fair for the Dodges or whoever's complaining all the damn time. I don't know if they want to turn this into super comp or what, what they're trying to do, but it's getting a little frustrating as a team that works their ass off every single week. Skillman answers questions from listeners. Skillman goes into detail about the 32-car field that will be run at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. Skillman talks about the extra round of racing and talks about what it means to all the budget-minded racers out there who can make a little race day magic. We need these guys here out racing every time, and we don't need it like Pro Stock or like a lot of these other classes that are dying because they don't they only take 16 cars and you have to spend a billion dollars to compete these guys can still have a chance and be on a reasonable budget and you know that's what we need bruce skillman in a must-hear factory stock interview on this edition of factory stock podcast also samtech.edu's brian massengill will break down the race from norwalk We'll break down the first half of the season as we head into the summer break as the next race will be the 32-car field Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. The big cars, the heavy cars, the blown cars, the 9-inch wide tire cars that are the samtech.edu factory stock showdown. Don't miss a second. The show is now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Check it out, but it is time to get on with the show. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience. In the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to blockhead and CNC programs, Samtech now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associate of Applied Science degree. And SAM is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu. Today. Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Costello. I am your podcast host, and we've got another great factory stock podcast for you. Drew Skillman will answer questions submitted from factory stock podcast listeners through my WFO radio podcast Facebook page. Of course, yes, we also do the WFO radio podcast and reached out to listeners of both to submit some questions. They certainly did. We will speak with Drew about that. We will also ask him about the race and we will delve into many of the aspects of the most recent race on the tour. First, the points standings as we go into the final three races, the next of which is the Chevrolet performance u.s nationals which has been announced as a 32 car field i was proud to make that announcement publicly on the mic at summit motorsports park along with brian massengill who will be joining us on this show drew skillman is the points leader 447 points total he is ahead of bo butner bo butner has 358 points so less than 100 points but a sizable lead for drew skillman Bill Skillman is third, 335 points. Fourth is Stephen Bell, 280. David Barton climbing up the ladder. Barton running much better lately, 274, rounding out the top five. Chris Holbrook, sixth. Archie Cohn, seventh. Randy Taylor, eighth. Kevin Skinner, ninth. And Scott Libisher 
is holding on to the 10th position just ahead of Ryan Pretty and Leah Pritchett. Those are the point standings. Following the race in Norwalk, a parity rules adjustment coming from the NHRA. Of course, we will discuss this with Drew Skillman and Brian Massengill coming up on the show. But here is the story direct from the National Hot Rod Association. Technical department makes parity adjustment to the Samtech.edu factory stock showdown based on Samtech.edu NHRA factory stock showdown performance numbers from the first five races of the 2019 season. The NHRA technical department is reducing the minimum weight for all pre-2019 Chevrolet Copos and Ford Cobra Jet combinations from 3525 to 3,450 pounds. So if you have an older Copo combination, then you can run a 3,450-pound minimum weight, meaning old supercharger, etc. Additionally, the 2019 Cobra Jet 327 combination, upper supercharger pulley size, will be increased from 3.75 inches to 4.000 inches. And the Drag Pack 354 cubic inch combination upper supercharger pulley will be decreased from 3.125 inches to 3 inches. As a reminder, no other changes may be made to all approved superchargers, including, but not limited to, upper or lower pulley sizes, gear ratios, cases, rotors, etc., All other permitted combinations in Samtech.edu factory stock showdown will remain unchanged. These rule changes will go into effect immediately. NHRA reserves the right, et cetera, and so on. And so there you go. Long and short, bigger pulley for Cobra Jets, smaller pulley for drag packs, 2019 Copo unchanged, older Ford and Chevrolet combinations without the updates from this year, they can decrease the weight for 75 pounds. And that has been the rules adjustment coming down from the National Hot Rod Association, in addition to the 32-car field, which will be run at Indy and has got everybody so excited in that uh, it is going to be fantastic. The winner will get 120 points, runner-up 100, semis 80, third round 60, second round 40, first round 20. There is an extra round of racing. There will be three sessions of qualifying. And so the big go is going to be huge for Samtech Factory Stock Showdown. That's the news. Those are the updates. And now it is time to connect with our winner and points leader. He got the job done out there at Summit Motorsports Park. Drew Skillman joins us again on Factory Stock Podcast. Drew, welcome back. How's it going? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thank you for being back. Listen, this podcast was started to focus on factory stock, and you are dominating the season, certainly winning a lot of races, uh, you and your dad, and I love the fact that you keep coming back, and uh, you even offered to answer a couple of questions from our, our listeners out there, which is great as well. I appreciate it. But first, got to talk about yep. the race. There's a lot of big news. There's more rules changes, a 32-car field in Indy, all of these things. Uh, you know, Where do you want to start? Um, let's start off with being positive. Um, what a great decision to go to a 32-car field for Indy. Um, I think that should be at every race. These guys all work their butt off, and they got a lot of money invested, and I think they need to race. Um, we lose a qualifier so we can all race. I, I, I'm completely fine with that. We just need to see some more people out there competing every day, and I think that's what it's going to take. I agree. I, I loved that. When, I, when that came down... And uh, we spoke with Ned Walliser here on Factory Stock Podcast. Listeners can go back. We posed the question, and he was like, not sure at the moment. To, to know that they went on and did it, 
To me, I believe in race day magic, don't you, Drew? Like, maybe you can't qualify, but you can figure out how to win some rounds, and that's what keeps Absolutely. people in the game. Absolutely. It's a crapshoot. We're all on a nine-inch tire, and this class is, is difficult. It's a tuner sport, so we need these guys here out racing every time, and we don't need it like pro stock or like a lot of these other classes that are dying because they don't. They only take 16 cars, and you have to spend a billion dollars to compete. These guys can still have a chance and be on a reasonable budget. And, you know, that's what we need. That's what we need. And you got all these cars. I always hated the idea. I know it's old school, right? 16 cars. Back in the day, people would show up from wherever they were, and they would try to qualify and make the show. It's very different now. I hate the idea of sending people home. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm not a everyone-gets-a-trophy kind of guy at all. But, damn, at least give them a chance to win. Not They still have to earn it, but let them in there. You know, it's it's not going to make one damn bit of difference in HRA if we get one more run. So let, let's make it happen. Let's let's reward these guys for making the investment. Yeah. Well, they they have, and uh, at Indy, it's going to be a 32 car qualified field. And I have a lot of people have misunderstood it. Like they're going to allow 32 cars to try to qualify. No, 32 cars will qualify. Who knows how many will show up? And that's the interesting aspect of it. Uh, and it's, it's kind of crazy to think that that's the next race as well. Uh, you got a little bit of a long wait, um, but you got the points lead. Let's talk about the race win next and then dive into some of the uh, the changes that have come as a result of it. You know, bottom line, you and your dad final round, but to get there, you had to go to uh, got to had to go through Randy Taylor, you had to go through Pete Gasco. That was a very close race. Uh, you had to go through Bo Butner. So it was like a who's who of guys that want to take you down, but you were able to get through them all. Uh, walk me through your race day. Yeah, that, that's a great race win right there. I raced good guys every round. My team did a fantastic job racing the racetrack. Um, Norwalk is notoriously tricky for uh, Sunday racing. It's great for qualifying, and Sunday it always goes downhill. It has since I started racing there in 2010. It's always been that way. It's a great racetrack, great facility. The Bader family did a fantastic job you know, with the facility and with the rain and everything they did. They made great decisions. Instead of, you know, making people miserable out in the mud and ruining the rigs and race cars, they made the right call. Um, Canceling the sports and stuff, and they'll have us back. And I guarantee they treat it equally as impressive as a national event. They always stand up, and they do the right thing every single time. I can't be any happier to race with a family like that and support their racetrack. But we, we were thrilled to get a win, and we raced really smart. We got to beat Bo. Anytime I can beat Bo, I'm happy. I could lose the next round and be just as satisfied. So we always like to compete like that. And uh, there's some guys that are really getting close. We are, uh, we're definitely not the dominant team anymore. We, we got some fast race cars and we can pull out some fast runs occasionally, but there's some guys that are definitely getting there. Well, the KB guys are definitely making power with Pete's car and Kevin Skinner setting low ET with that 787, oh, yeah. Bo with a 179 mile per hour charge. And you beat Bo. On a hole shot, a pretty considerable hole shot, and I know that he's got to be very annoyed with the way you guys give each other uh, heck. Uh, what did you say to him after that? Well, the, there's always some healthy uh, banter back and forth between Bo and I. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't really spoke to him since then. I haven't seen him since uh, that round. But I'm sure it will uh, continue with the ribbing. Um, that's what's fun about this class. We do this for fun. So does Bo. And uh, anytime you can talk some trash and back it up, it's always a good day. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a wait before that run. You guys kind of just lounging in the lanes, chilling out in the cars, which is very old school bracket racing, just sitting in the cars, like chilling out, waiting to run. And then you ran and you were able to take him down to set up that final round against your dad uh, for the second time. And that's just got to be, you know, I I, I can't get past the uh, family connection, you know, thinking about. You get to race your father. What a great validation of everything that you did this for, right? Grandfather, father, and yourself to be able to know that you've won as a family and then decide it between the two of you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a win-win. Going into that round, it was the least stressful round of racing of my entire career. It uh, really turned out great. I mean, how much better of a weekend can you have when you go all the rounds with both cars? So. Yeah. Once again, our guys did a fantastic job racing the racetrack. Exactly. You have 447 points. Bo has 358. And uh, your dad has got 335. He informed us a couple of weeks back, though, after he won, that he's going to miss a race towards the end of the year. I don't know if that is still, in fact, the case. But uh, I'm feeling like it is a two-horse race now between you and Bo for the championship. And you have, you know, a considerable lead, but that's not guaranteed uh, just yet, because, you know, the extra round of racing in Indy and, uh, you know, anything can happen. A first round out coupled with a win could change everything. So you got to keep the pedal down. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if I DNQ at a race, I mean, that completely changes everything. So, you know, we, we're definitely not uh, just riding our laurels. We're going to keep working hard. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. We keep getting neutered by the NHRA. Um, I think soon they're going to start putting a throttle stop on our cars just to make it fair for the Dodges or whoever's complaining all the damn time. But uh, I don't know if they want to turn this into super comp or what, what they're trying to do. But it's getting a little frustrating as a team that works their ass off every single week so we can go to the racetrack and win. It, uh, it's getting discouraging for us. and it's, 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 it's getting a little ridiculous. Well, let's, let's, that's a great uh, way to transition into this uh, rules change in that, you know, the, another parity change, uh, the, you know, the specifics of which we'll discuss, you know, later on in the show. But uh, l- let me read you a post from Tommy Lane, who is obviously an ace, and he sounds very frustrated. And this is in one of the factory stock groups. And so for him to go up there and, you know, make a public post, I know you guys are uh, frustrated and annoyed. Um, more importantly, from my perspective, is I'm under the understanding, understanding that every time this change comes down the pike, it's like $10,000. Is that correct? You can't exactly put a, a value on it because it depends where you test. How far do I have to travel to go test again? What do I have to change? A lot of time it's gear ratio, and it's just it costs us so much money every time they make a change, and we're not just going to show up with the same stuff. We're going to go back to work. We're here to win a championship. So I don't know if they think that this is just going to solve the problem, but we keep getting faster. Every time they change the rules, we're coming back. So we're going to figure out how to go faster, but it's just nickel and diming us to death. Interesting. Well, here's the post. Let me, read the it. Let me read it real quickly. I, I know you know about it, but just so everybody understands, from Tommy Lane, who is, uh, you know, he's your crew chief, right? I mean, he's the team crew yep. chief. He's been yep. with you for a long time. Unfortunately, NHRA is well on its way to ruin Factory Stock Showdown class. It's clear that they want to turn it into a 790 index super gas class that you will have a chance to win regardless if you work or not. 
working hard, spending money, and innovation don't pay in this class anymore. I understand parity ruling, but I have never seen it being used so aggressively. NHRA is telling us if just one individual team gains advantage through hard work and talent, that combination will get hit because they see the potential in that combination. To me, one time this was a heads-up class where hard work and innovation pays. Unfortunately, not the case anymore. Look for changes towards spec blower, spec ECU, and so on for next year. If that happens, they will numb this class to another slowly dying class. It's a shame. Factory Stock Showdown is one of the most talked about growing classes that NHRA will kill. Uh, You know, he's very harsh when he says, with their stupidity. Wow, Tommy Lane. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, did, I, stand, I stand behind everything he says there. Um, he's 100% right. He's justified in, the, in, in having those feelings. He has worked his ass off to build this, this whole program over a winter. Um, our whole team did. And he has the right to stand up and say this. Um, we work hard. We should be winning. And you know what? I, I agree. We shouldn't be a tenth faster than anybody. No problem. But just to continuously beat us down and no one else is making any strides forward, it, we're working. We're, we're putting in the effort. I'm not saying other teams aren't, but we're putting in a lot of effort. And we're using every bit of knowledge that we do on how to build a race car and how to set up for race day. And it's working. And we're being punished. And it, it's, it's just the most frustrating thing on earth to know if you go do well, you're going to get punished. It, I don't want to race an index class. I don't want to do it. This is supposed to be a heads-up race class, and it's turning into super comp. And it, it's, it sucks. No one wants this to be super comp. At least I don't. And if, if I'm wrong and all these other racers just want to run 790s on the dial, then maybe I'm just in the wrong damn class. But my understanding is this is a heads-up class. The first thing end wins. And that's what I came to do. Very interesting. And, uh, you know, I can't say that I would have started, uh, you know, a super comp podcast as much as I respect what they do. And I know it's very, very difficult. We want to see cars, uh, you know, battling it out. And and I know it's very challenging for NHRA, but uh, this is multiple, uh, you know, rules changes over the course of a season. But it hasn't really it slowed you down a little, but not much in that you do keep finding it again. Yeah, but we keep working. It's because we're not we're not stopping. But that doesn't mean the little guy without the budget is going to be able to catch up. He's not doing it. There's no way. They're just going to suffer. So it's just one hit after another. And and from my understanding, to touch on what we got some inside information that they're possibly going to go to a spec ECU, which will be that Holly system that they're on a pro stock. What a joke! What an absolute joke! It is to take these other manufacturers out of this business. We work really closely with some of these manufacturers on their fuel injection systems. We're building fuel injection systems that actually work for this century, not stuff that's just to make your 57 Chevy go down the street. These are for actual race cars. And, you know, it's just it's extremely frustrating when everyone puts this much effort forward in so many different departments, and we keep getting slapped on the hand. The uh, the system that Bo uses that's wireless and he you know he's walking around they're walking around making adjustments and everything you know I I, I thought yeah. that that was super cool like uh, my initial reaction was like wow that's awesome that's high tech stuff that's what people want to use yeah. and that's the kind of thing that may not go forward. Joe, is is your computer plugged into the wall? 
<laughs> no, it's got Wi-Fi. It's 2019. These guys need to get in touch with reality. There is no more plug. You don't have to plug in. There's nothing scary about it. It's exactly the same. Either that guy could have leaned down and plugged in or just hit enter. Why? It, it makes no difference. Nothing's changing. He's not tuning down the racetrack. That's ridiculous. It's you're not, not even feasible. That thing goes down the track in seven and a half seconds. You're not making any decision in seven and a half seconds on a tune-up. You can't keep up with it. These things go through an RPM range so quickly, you're not fixing anything going down the racetrack. That's why we have thousands of dollars in data logging systems. So that way we can look at it and then make corrections for the next run. And those days are about done. They're going to all be in the fuel injection systems. There's going to be no more race back. It's all going to be in the ECU. It's going to record all the data. So they're going to have to get in touch with being in this century. Technology's changed. Cars have changed. We don't have carburetors anymore. We use computers to control the race car. It's just a fact of life. I, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate your passion. And as a racer, as the points leader, as the guy who has won the U.S. Nationals, as the guy who has gone out there as a sportsman racer and a professional racer who has elected to do this, I, I think your your opinions are, are valid and uh, appreciated and, and should be heard. Now, you did uh, offer to answer a couple of questions. I did receive some questions from some yeah. people that, uh, you know, maybe they will uh, interweave. Like one, the first one from Ron in Indiana wants to know just, you know, how hard are the cars to control? Like driving down the track, can you just hold it straight and it goes? Or are you having to correct the wheel, that kind of thing, says Ron in Indiana? It, it all depends on racetrack condition. Um, when you're on a good run, it's like driving a Cadillac. You can use one hand. But if you're on a bad run, it's a handful. The car is a pig, and it's got little bitty tires on the front, so it doesn't like to steer very well at all. So a lot of these times when you see these guys slide and hit the wall, it's because when they start moving, they're, they're ridiculous. They're, they're extremely hard to control. The weight shifts around. Yeah. Yeah, when that weight starts to move, hold on. You better start getting aggressive, so... They, they're they're difficult to drive when they're bad, and they're as the easiest thing to drive on earth when they're good. There you go. Okay, uh, next one. Uh, seeing how you and your dad's car are one, and this may or may not be true, one being Haltech and the other being Holly, at least that's how it appeared at Gainesville, is there any conditions where one of the system performs better, weather changes, barometric pressure, et cetera, says Mike? Uh, we're both Haltech. Um we don't run Holly systems. The only time we ran Holly systems is in pro stock when they made us. The the Hall Tech definitely has an advantage over systems like that that are just ancient. Um, the new Big Stuff box is great as well. Motec obviously builds a great box. Um, yeah, there is advantages to the different fuel injection systems. A lot of it has to do with processor speed, how quickly it can keep up with the engine RPM. Because we once again in drag racing, we travel through engine rpm so quickly that we have to uh you have to have a fuel injection system that's pretty advanced to keep up with it wow that is awesome see i i'm excited by that i was just watching a special about you know these gamer kids on their gaming computers and they're building these super fast processors and that's what they're interested in and why not tie that group into drag racing with super fast computers yeah that's that's what's happening um the technology has gotten so much better that you have to you have to advance. You can't just stay in the Stone Age. And these these fuel injection systems are catching up now with where the performance of these engines are. 
I mean, five years ago, there was no 1,000-horsepower streetcars. Now, if you don't make a 1,000-horsepower through streetcar, you don't have a good one. I mean, <laughs> it's just, that's, <laughs> welcome to the future. It's crazy. So, uh, I mean, factory cars have 800 horsepower now. That's where they're starting them. So, yeah, stuff's going to have to keep up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh, but the way you put it is funny. All right, next one. Uh, if, if you can say and understand, if you can't, um, can you use increased engine speed to make up for the blower pulley rule changes? Ask Sean. Well, if the engine's turning faster, the pulley stays the same size. More pressure is going to come out. So yes, we uh, we are already turning these cars pretty damn hard. Um, we're pro stock racers, so we believe in RPM. Um, and RPM we trust. So, yeah, we're going to keep pushing that, and we're going to figure out how hard you can turn these things. We, we're going to find the breaking points for sure. They keep putting us against the wall. We're going to keep pushing it. Holbrook showed us a cylinder head out at uh, Norwalk, and, you know, I hadn't seen a Coyote cylinder head, like, off the car and to understand, like, what's going on there. And, you know, another example about the future being here, right? Like, how many years ago were we talking about uh, four valves per cylinder? And here we are, and it's obviously yeah. pretty good. Yeah, no, it's it's worked a long time. Ford has had a four-valve per cylinder motor for a very long time. Their drivetrain is fantastic. Um, a lot of the valve train stuff is almost stock. I mean, it's that good straight out of your normal Ford GT has really good stuff in it, so... We uh, we're really lucky with the platform we have to work with. It it is a true race engine that you can develop and work on. Amazing. Next one. Uh, what transmission do you run? I would assume it's a Turbo Four Hundred style, but uh, I talked to Chuck Watson and he was using a C Four. That from uh, Randy. Yeah, we use a Four Hundred. Um, we just they're not the fastest things on earth, but they are safe. They build good components for them. You're not breaking them all the time. We we are still budget minded. Um, we want some stuff that's going to last us the season, not have to replace every two races or completely rebuild. So we, we're running the 400s for now. And, uh, as it goes down the pipeline, we'll probably look into different transmissions to see, you know, what's maybe a couple hundreds faster to see. There's a perfect example. All right. Final question. Uh, this from, uh, Randy again, how critical is total low gear in the car, first uh, transmission and uh, rear end, do you adjust rear axle and transmission low gear more for track conditions or torque converter or power management with timing? Basically, how do you, how do you handle that? Like which, if you're going to adjust, uh, you know, that low gear, how do you do it with power management, with timing, with the torque converter or with everything? Uh, we use all of those. Um, typically, we make a gear choice at the beginning of the race. We'll have an idea about what the weather is going to do for the weekend and we'll make a gear selection as far as transmission ratio. Rear gear will change throughout the weekend pretty freely, uh, but uh, a lot of it is done with timing and, uh, you know, fuel ratios, things things of that nature to keep the wheel speed down initially. Interesting. Oh, yeah, well, narrow tire, heavy car, all that power, you can blow them yeah. off real easy. We have more power than tire. so <laughs> Which we have seen. You're going to have to be careful. That, yeah. Well, and it has made for it. Well, more people were getting down the track this time. So it seemed to me uh, we had fewer of those, uh, you know, pedal races where guys are, you know, trying to get back going again. Was that because more people are learning how to deal with the situation or did they prep the track differently? A combination of both? 
Um, NHRA has done a good job. They are now hand spraying for us, which just the first 60 feet are spraying, which makes a huge difference for us with these little bitty tires. So the track prep has gotten much, much better, and thank them very much for taking their time out and, you know, give us a little bit of special treatment. We we do appreciate it. And then also every team is, they're working very hard. These guys are learning. They're not, they're not going up there and making the same mistakes over and over again. This is not a professional class, but I mean, well over half of us are treating it that way. Um, we want to learn. We want to win. And uh, my own final question, would you like to be able to burn out across the starting line? It depends on how far forward they're going to let us start that. <laughs> yeah, I would in some cases. I want the option to be able to do whatever's the best decision at the time. I don't want it to be mandatory, too, but if we could, yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. And the reason I say it is I need more time to talk about you guys when you're on the starting line. Yeah, we don't take very long. We get uh, up there and we get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fast. Um, it happens too fast. Class. Yeah, we don't we don't mess around. There's not ten guys checking a wheelie bar. There's there's none of that. We're uh, when we get up there, we're pretty much ready to go. And all of our teams, all the teams out there, have done a fantastic job being professional, not having stuff leaking out of their car, just really paying attention. And I can't be any prouder to be a part of this group. That is great. Drew, thank you very much for, you know, submitting to the questions, giving us your real opinions on what's going on out there. I think it's valuable and and definitely interested in hearing what you guys have to say. Congratulations on the win. You and your dad, uh, the entertainment factor has been over the top. I feel like this was one of the best races of the year. You know, whole shots, great runs, great wins, all that. Three races to go. That's sad. But the U.S. Nationals next, 32-car field, that's going to be great. And uh, I just think the season is rolling out. Uh, in a great way. Uh, thank you for your honesty and your straightforward uh, nature. I really appreciate that. That's important. Yeah. And thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Happy 4th of July. Yeah, happy 4th of July to everybody. If you ever want to know the truth, just ask me. I'll tell you up front. I'm not scared. <laughs> no, I know you are. And, um, you know, you keep winning races. You're, you're, you're like the face of the category, man. You're like the face of the class. Drew Skillman, Factory Stock Showdown spokesperson. Well, I mean, I I really think we need to get a racers council together. I think um, us as racers need to make some decisions about our class and the future of the direction it needs to be going. And maybe uh, NHRA will listen to us. And I, I would definitely appreciate their time if they'd like to sit down with a group of us. Maybe each uh, manufacturer choose a team or certain people to uh, speak for their brand. And uh, maybe we can come to some type of agreement outside of just absolutely turning this thing into a joke. Yeah, and I'm sure you heard the the story about the Camaro maybe going away in 2023. It sounds like it's a long way away, and I guess it is. A lot of things can change, but I felt like that was just a punch in the stomach. Unfortunately, um, a lot of the domestic brands are deciding to get away from the car market. Um, I sell every domestic brand except Dodges, and, uh, you know, it's it's definitely affecting business, and they don't believe in the car market anymore, and Americans definitely want to drive an SUV. It's uh, shown just as a proof of purchasing. But uh, we'll see how long that lasts. The first time gas prices go up, they'll be back in the game. You'll see these cars back out. Exactly. Factory stock SUV coming in 2023. Yeah. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, real exciting. All right, Drew, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Hey, anytime. Thanks, Drew. Drew Skillman with us here 
on Factory Stock Podcast. 447 points. He is the points leader over Bo Butner. And listen, one thing that you cannot dispute is that Drew is going to tell you what he thinks. And I admire that. And is he right on every point? Like that is uh, for someone else to decide based on who they are and what they think. I love the idea of these modern ECUs. I love the idea of modern relevant automotive technology. But that conversation is based on, you know, rumor and conjecture. What has happened is a pulley update and another uh, attempt to increase parity in the class. And, you know, I feel like they're close. Uh, He feels like they're being punished. That is his opinion. And I accept and admire that. And that is all. We will continue to move on with three races remaining here in the 2019 season. The next race is the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, which will be a 32-car field. Who better to speak with about it than the man who broke the news on the mic out there at Summit Motorsports Park at the Summit Racing Equipment NHRA Nationals. He was very nervous when we decided to break the news. Let's talk a little bit about that. He is from samtech.edu, Brian Massengill. Brian, we were both a little nervous. Like, should we say this? Let's do it. And we did it, and it's out there. No, yeah, I'm glad we did it. Um, I know that the NHRA I uh, wanted to wait until the schedule was kind of released for the Chevy Performance U.S. Nationals, but I got the okay from from Josh, and uh, and as soon as I texted it to you, uh, you were gracious enough to let me come up to the booth, and, and we got a good moment there to kind of tell all the fans about it all, all live, and there was a really good uh, reception. I got a bunch of text messages from people watching on NHRA.TV, and, and, uh, and everyone's excited about it. Obviously, controlling the rollout of news and a message is an art form, and people do it and get paid a lot of money to do that. But I feel like uh, at a moment like that, as soon as we got the go-ahead, you've got all the fans paying attention to you right now. Why are you going to let them disperse and cool off during the week and then release it when nobody is paying attention. Everybody is focused on factory stock showdown at this second. We know the news. We got the news. Let's tell them the news. And we did, and I was overwhelmed with the response. And also slight confusion. Uh, people were like, You're gonna let they're gonna let thirty two cars try to qualify. It's like, no, man. They are going to qualify thirty two cars. More than that may show up. And to me, that's the best part. And Drew Skillman, who was on just before you, uh, Brian, he loved the idea as well. Like everybody has loved the idea so far. I I think that you know Drew being from uh, the Indy area, I think that helps out. You know, he's he's won that race as a pro stock driver, um, and that being his home race, right before I think it'll maybe the last race before he becomes a, a dad. You know, he he wants to um, kind of win that one. That that thirty two car field deal for him. Um, would be a, a really special win uh, at his home track. Obviously, you know, uh, maybe get it in the Ray Skillman lane. Who knows? But um, but no, he would. Yeah, he he was really excited when I talked to him and, and kind of told their camp about, hey, this is what we're going to do at Indy. So um, they want to see some of the guys that haven't come out yet uh, that race over in the NMCA and and some guys that are getting their cars together still. Some teams out there um, that are that have been getting ready. And Indy was always the target um, for a lot of teams that. Uh, we're really excited to have this 32-car field. Well, we've been talking about it all year, and it is now coming true, and it's just very exciting. But the way the season is rolling on, it's amazing to think that there's only three races remaining. We have a pretty considerable gap now between uh, you know, the, the most recent race out at uh, Norwalk 
and the U.S. Nationals and ultimately the conclusion of the season. But, uh, you know, for my money, it's been a roller coaster. The Fords continue to dominate, and it's obviously going to be a season of Ford, and uh, the championship will be a Ford Mustang because it's going to be Drew Skillman, Bo Butner, you know, Bill Skillman, Stephen Bell is the highest uh, Chevrolet. This past event, though, it was interesting. It was interesting in that, the Chevrolets, like Pete Gasco, had a very quick and fast car. There were some KB-powered cars that stepped forward. There were some cars that stepped forward. But again, the Mustangs just showed that they have the muscle. And thus, a parody adjustment came out. I read it at the beginning of the show. I'll mention it again. Uh, just, uh, you know, the changing of the pulley again for the 2019-327 combination from 3.75 to 4 inches. Uh, so that will be, you know, slowing them down. At the same time, the drag pack uh, can decrease their pulley size from 3.125 to 3.0. Um, there's also a weight adjustment for some of the older combinations, uh, making them a little bit lighter. Um, so, you know, the 2019 uh, Chevy Copo and Cobra Jet combinations from 3425 to 3,400 pounds pre-2019 uh, Copo and four, Cobra Jet. So if you got an older combination, you can lose 75 pounds or so. But I think the pulley is where all the action is. That's where, yeah, no, that's uh, that's for sure. The text messages I've received from the drivers um, uh, of the of Mustang, or the Cobra Jets, rather, that um, you know, they're kind of getting tired of it uh, because it's not just a pulley change. You know, it, it, goes, it starts at the pulley and goes all the way through the drivetrain. Um, and it, it, you know, there's some of them that say that, Hey, we're just working hard and we're finding this power. And that's true. They are. Every time there's a change, they get right back at it and they are able to find all the power that they were supposed to lose. And they didn't, um, because they are working their butts off. But again, I, I have to keep saying this. Nobody on the, I would be shocked if a Dodge or a Chevy was sandbagging to try and get a pulley for the Fords. That's not how this is going to work. They're not going to sit back and say, okay, let me go out in the first round. I'll qualify, but go out in the first round. That's just silly. Um, these engines, they are not crate engines. They're not spec to the same. There's the cubic inches are different. The, the pulley, or I'm sorry, the, the blower sizes are different. You know, you've got dual overhead cams that the Fords are running and, and they can really get in there and, and crank those RPM up. So it's, it's not punishment for, doing a good job. I, I, I told Chris, uh, Holbrook that he's doing, he is doing too good of a job finding all this power, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that there would be another pulley change and, and it is, I can understand the frustrations for some of these Ford teams that are, Hey, we're just out here making power the other guys should be able to keep up. And, and, um, I know that they're trying and they're doing everything they can. You kind of saw that uh, that Sandfield group get the get the win in Topeka, um, all Sandfield final with Archie and Steven, and and so it looked like maybe something was going to turn the corner. But um, but you know when we got a little bit more time off and and the Fords were able to go back in and freshen the motors, well, it went right back to the Ford show. And um, I don't have a problem with Fords winning. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with Dodgers winning. I don't have a problem with Chevrolets winning. I, think that we all just want to see a, a kind of an even playing field and uh any car can win on any given sunday but it has been the uh the ford show so far pretty much yes and uh i a great quote that i got earlier this year 
from Jeff Turk, Jeff who you know campaigned the Blackbird and the X-15, and um, Jeff said it's not a pulley, it's a puzzle. And as soon as you change the pulley, you got to change the converter and you're changing gearing and you're changing all of these things. I've heard the number $10,000 thrown out there. We just spoke with Drew Skillman. Drew Skillman said, you know, it could be more. Like, where do I have to go to test? I'm going to test. He goes, there's no chance we are going to just put the pulley on and run it exactly as as it is. Like, that's not what we're going to do. We're racers. We're pro stock racers. We have a way that we go about this and there's no way that any rules change is going to come down the pike and we're just going to not test. We're going to test. That's what we do. That's what it is. That's why we're doing this. And I understand. And before I go any further, since I did uh, mention Jeff, um, you know, a hard right hand turn here, but when Jeff's name comes up, I can't help, but, uh, but think about Sandy and people might be wondering why Jeff has not been at the past couple races. I, you know, I just want to say, you know, Sandy having some health issues, um, you know, from us here at the podcast, Jeff was one of our first guests. He has been invaluable with behind the scenes information and knowledge. I understand that Sandy is having, uh, you know, some some health issues. And, you know, I just want to say, like, all the best to the Turk family, to Jeff and Sandy, two of the, like, most wonderful people you're going to see out there. And it's not it's not the same race when they're not there. Absolutely. That's true. Sandy, keep fighting. We're all thinking about you and we miss you at the races. Um Get healthy, and, and we'll see you soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Jeff has been, you know, giving me his, uh, you know, handicapping of the races and the way it's going to go and, you know, just a lot of knowledge. The guy absolutely loves uh, this class and this sport. He's uh, always giving me motivation for my, uh, you know, Pontiac bracket car and as well. And, you know, we, we got to see, you know, Jeff and Sandy back out there, hopefully, as soon as is possible. But to his quote, it's not a pulley. It's a puzzle. You can't expect the teams to just not try to gain an advantage. And I think that's what some of these Ford guys are talking about. Uh, we did a bit on NHRA's YouTube page. And for all you listeners out there, you know, if you are subscribed to the YouTube page, it's going to be one of the Attention in the Pits shows where Chris Holbrook talks about his machine and gives us an inside look at one of the cylinder heads. And it's the first time I had seen, it's a bone stock Ford cylinder head off the Coyote. And okay, wow, four valves per cylinder. No wonder. You're not pushing push rods. You're not uh, pushing rocker arms. You have the valve train is modern and, uh, you know, designed in a way that it makes more power. So it's a real challenge to equalize these cars. It really is. And that's, that's what's... Um very tough for this tech department and for the NHRA as a whole to, to kind of see where we are, you know, uh, in the off season, uh, again, Dodge didn't ask for anything. I think they were under the impression that the Chevys and the Fords weren't getting anything. Um, but the Chevys and Fords got, uh, new blowers, new engine combinations, uh, and, uh, the Fords got the new engine combination there. But, um, but it does seem like Ford, you know, went in with the negotiation tactic of, I'm going to shoot for the moon, and then we'll back it off. Well, there was no negotiation, it doesn't seem like. It seems like Ford shot for the moon and got the moon. Um, They've got some really, really good hot rods. And, you know, Chris Holbrook is a hell of an engine builder. And uh, and the crews that that the Skillman team and the Butner team have, they they do. They they have that pro-stock mentality, obviously. Like you keep mentioning, uh, 
um, and they are testing, and they are always, always looking for that next edge. And that's not to say that other teams aren't. I know that, you know, obviously Stanfield team has that uh, that pro stock mentality because that's their background. That's where they came from. Um, and, of course, the the DSR team and those Dodges and, and, uh, and Roy and Allen, they have that same kind of mentality of the pro teams. They know how important testing is. They know how important finding every every advantage is. And so uh, it's not to say that other teams aren't working hard. They, they definitely are. But but um, I, I, sometimes I wonder, you know, if, if uh, the Fords maybe got away with a little too much, but, but it does seem like um, we've got some tight racing. But it is still the Ford show. It is a Ford show. I, I wonder, and, and here's where, you know, the extent of my, uh, you know, inside knowledge uh, is tested in that I, you know, I we only know what we know. Um, you, as uh, you know, someone who is uh, heavily involved, you, you have probably a little more information. Not all of that can be aired publicly, but for the Dodges, like, why not ask them to submit a new supercharger? Right, like at some point, you've got all these Cobra jets out there. You've got a couple of Dodges. You gave them some pulley, but if their stuff is so last year, and and that's all, they won the championship. They won the championship right. in dominating fashion one year ago. Um, you know, the Copos haven't won anything championship wise just yet. Just some individual races. Barton won a few years ago. Why not just like what's the supercharger, the best supercharger they can give the Dodges and give it to them? Um, except for that would be breaking protocol because it is a mid-season rules change, which I guess we're against. Right. That That's really it, I think. Um, I think that there – I know Dodges, obviously, they, they have to submit something for next year, and so I haven't talked to anybody at Dodge about what they're going to submit, but I will say definitively Dodge will ask for something this season, um, and they will have something new for next season. I would be shocked if they didn't. Um, but – uh, it, it is, I think, a different engine combination at that point. You know, that's that's kind of the difference between the 18 and the 19 uh, Copos is the blower. So you are submitting a new engine combination completely, and to do it at this point in the season, um, I, I don't see the NHRA making that rules change, and, and I don't know what would be available immediately for that. But um, it, if you gave the blower that's on the Copo to the Dodges, um, I, I think they'd run away with it again. I mean, you can kind of see it isn't just, it, it's you know, that, that puzzle that we, we keep referring to. It, it wouldn't be instantaneous that, okay, we're just going to change this blower and then we're going to go set the world on fire. But there would be, it would be a massive gain, I feel like, because of how much more efficient that new blower is that the Copos have versus what the, what they had last season. Um, it's just it it is a lot, and we would be hitting them the way that we would be hitting the Fords, and that we are kind of um, upsetting the Ford racers and the Ford fans, and that is not our intention in any capacity. Um, they they have worked very very hard this year, and they continue to work hard. They didn't just stop. Okay, hey, we're running in the uh, 760s at the beginning of the year, and and we're still running 790s late into the summer, and and uh, I, I, I can commend everybody. Um, the Chevys are getting there. The, the Dodgers are getting there. It's, it's been a really, really, really good year. Um, but everything changed. You know, we threw out all the records at the first race. And, and it's just been tough to try to get these cars on an even playing field. Yes, and it's kind of interesting. Hopefully the listeners out there and maybe new subscribers 
um, you know, this is the ebb and flow of a new class. We're at the beginning, a lot of changes, dramatic changes. And that's interesting. What's it going to be? What's the future going to look like? Uh, all of these things. Now, uh, we're coming off what I felt to be like the best race of the season. Like, let's make no mistake. The cars were getting down the racetrack. Uh, the, the track prep was good enough that most people were getting down. We had a great qualifying session that was spectacular and entertaining. We had the big uh, clashes with, you know, Bo and Drew. Drew winning on a whole shot. Kevin Skinner put the Black Hammer name on the car finally. Thank you, Kevin. Like, a lot of good stuff happening. So I don't want to make it seem like it's negative. No, this is a, this is a positive thing. Thing, but these are growing pains that are happening. So Drew and Tommy Lane mentioned, you know, spec ECU and spec supercharger and, uh, and you know, a 790 index class, which I think everybody freaks out about. I don't think it's ever going to be that. And I don't think NHRA wants it to be that. But what do you think, Brian, as someone who works with, um, you know, electronic fuel injection and ECUs and the ragged edge of technology, um, you know, what's what is your thought on where it should ultimately land? You know, we know what Formula One is and we know the power of computers is vast. We can do a lot of stuff. What should be allowed the, uh, you know, uh, whole spec or should there be some room to develop? Should there be like, what do you what do you think? There There has to be room to develop. There shouldn't be spec. You know, everyone kind of talks about, OK, well, we're going to have a a rack of Chevy blowers, a rack of. Ford blowers, a rack of Dodge blowers, and everyone's going to get the same one. So that way we know that you haven't touched up the blower in any capacity or anything like that. You know, there's no flim-flim there. So this race, you're going to get Chevy 1, you're going to get Ford 3, you're going to get Dodge 6, whatever it is. That, and then we're bolting it on, you're going racing. Well, that that should not be what happens here. That, that's not what this class is about. Um, I, I don't know... About the ECU, you know, there's Pro Stock. Obviously, they they all run the Holly system, and they all um, they do have an RPM limiter. Um, and I I think that's a that's a great way to equalize everything, um, it, especially when you're you're putting a blower or a power adder on. And I don't know that you know everyone need, has to run the Holly. I, I don't like the idea of limiting our drivers to one specific uh, product line. I, I think that if, you know, obviously Tommy has uh, is Haltech and, and then Bo's got, you know, the big stuff and, and, uh, and you know, there's a lot of Holly product, Holly EFI, the Dominator systems in these cars. And, and so I don't want to have to make it so that anyone changes anything. And, and again, I don't have the say in that. I don't get to do that in the NHRA does, but, but um, I don't think anything should ever be spec. Um, I think that, you know, once you start limiting the RPM, it can make things easier to keep the parity. But I don't know if that's the right thing. Um, uh, it's something that we didn't really start thinking about until about the second or third race. That conversation didn't start happening in the pits, didn't start happening with our drivers, our teams, and, and, and you know, some of the teams talking to NHRA about, oh, would you all consider this? Would you all do that? And and I I don't see that spec stuff that's not this class isn't that um and i don't want it to become that but there is some way that we are still trying to figure out the best way to kind of have um that parity adjustment where we're not just punishing people for being too powerful or 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 figuring out their combination quicker than somebody else um it it is a 
fine line, and we cannot afford to run anybody off. And so that means that whether that is, hey, why am I going to come race if Drew Skillman and Bill have won four out of the five races, What you know, I can't run with those Fords, but vice versa, I don't want it to be, hey, I have a Ford every two weeks or every month y'all are punishing us and I'm spending 10000 more dollars. Um, I know that these are expensive cars to start with and people are going to say, well, who cares about $10,000? Well, that's still a lot of money. And if you're having to do way more, you know, if we've got eight races, you had to do it seven times in the season, you're suddenly at 70000 at least um, if these numbers are correct. And I, I'm trying not to run anybody off, but at the same time, there's going to be one or two people who look at it and say, hey, that's not for me. That's not what I want to do. And and I understand that. And I get that because it is a lot of money to make these changes. And and it just it does become a fine line of we have to know that we're going to lose people because of the amount of power that these cars are making. We've had enough on-track incidents that people say, hey, I don't want to get caught up in something like that. Um, it is exciting and it is terrible for the teams and the drivers when they wreck their cars and everything like that. But, um, but there are definitely racers that look at it and say, Hey, that's not for me. And same with the pulley changes that are happening all the time. And same with the not being able to, you know, if I, if I have a Dodge, I'm not going to bring it out because the combination doesn't exist for me right now. You know, that, that kind of mentality exists in some of these potential or, or former racers who raced with us or people who look at this class and say, how can I get involved? Right. And, and this is, uh, this is a this is a difficult discussion. This is not, uh, you know, pom pom waving like everything is great. This is this is complex, and uh, oh, no, it is. those it people is. who follow you know world motorsports, not just drag racing, know that this problem is happening everywhere. It's like, do you allow? Uh, you know, Formula One with uh, endless spending. There are three teams that have got a chance to win, and really one team right now has got a you know legit shot to win uh, on every single given weekend. Um, you know, Alan Johnson of Alan and Roy Johnson told me uh, that they had left the car in the trailer since the last race, and he's a pro stock world champion and has the uh, highest level of, of respect that I can give, but. Is this a series that you should be able to go out and leave the car in the trailer between races and win? I exactly that's it, right? Um, I think that, and that's the for the listeners, that, Brian. That's for the listeners. Like, no, I, I know, and, and and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I I want our racers. Uh, this this isn't stock eliminator, is what I'll say. That that's my answer to it, and. As a stock eliminated driver, I hope that I'm not offending any of my fellow uh, racers or anything like that. But there are definitely times when, hey, we go a month uh, between races and we'll leave it in the trailer. But but there is always more power to be found. And I feel like there are teams that always have an engine on the dyno that are always testing. And um, and they're finding that extra power. Simple as, simple as that. Yeah, and it's it's a it's very interesting, great challenge. All right, one more bit of negativity, and that's the thing, man. You subscribe to Factory Stock Podcast because you get the real deal. Chevrolet Camaro done in 2023. Now, I know that there's a lot that can change between now and then, and they put the target out there pretty far. That's four years from now. That having been said, 
Um, and it's gone away in the past, but I felt like that was a bad move uh, the first time around. I think there's always room for a Camaro out there as a performance car, non-Corvette performance car. The mid-engine Corvette supposedly coming. I don't know if they're going to continue a front-engine Corvette, but for the drag well, race... They're not. They're not. That's what's so weird. So Chevy wouldn't have a a traditional V8 front-engine American muscle car. They are going to have this mid-engine Corvette, and, and that will really be it, unless they want to re-release the HHR, which <laughs> um, I really hope they don't. Yeah, I agree. This was um, it was troubling, and again, I know it's down the road, but as a part of the muscle car, uh, hot rod, drag racing community, uh, I know that there are a lot of people that hate the Camaro. Like, if you're a, a Dodge person... Uh, a Ford person. I see the posts on social media. I see them. The hatred of the all Camaro deal. Well, the idea that it's going to be gone, leaving Chevrolet with what? I don't know. I that's just it's just troubling. I know it's down the road. It'll be rear wheel drive Cavaliers all all over the place. I guess it'll end up being Cruise Chevy Cruise. They don't make those <laughs> either anymore. And Drew said yeah. Drew, Drew is an auto dealer. He's the perfect person to ask, and he says that there's you know the trend to SUVs right now is uh, is huge, and it's just uh, it's just generally troubling considering how much fun we're having with these cars. And maybe the Camaro isn't for everybody with its style. But I think it's very intense and futuristic. I certainly like and appreciate it. Uh, I was always a Pontiac guy for a reason. But to kill the Camaro, very troubling. It is. No, it is. And and that, you know, um, there is everyone referring to Camaro stock, pro stock, and and it's silly. But it is something that, uh, as a sport, we need to, I don't know if we need to be concerned about but we need to be aware of and and looking to the future and saying, okay, what do we do? What what do we go race? How do we how do we save the sport in that capacity before it becomes too late to do so? And and so that's whether that's saving uh, pro stock, whether that's saving factory stock, so that it's not just a a Ford and Dodge class, or or you know, I, as long as we have these copos that have existed, they're they're going to be welcome to race and. And there will always be engine combinations that will work in in these cars. Um, you kind of see it in super stock, and and uh, you know we we've kind of borrowed from the super stock rules a couple times, where you can change out the engine into a different year and things like that. So it is a little ways away, and it is something that we need to be aware of and and possibly planning for. But again, uh, Chevrolet is seeing the writing on the wall about okay, we need to sell more trucks, we need to sell more SUVs. That's what people are buying. You know the 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 Dodges are are kind of outselling the Camaros right now anyway, and they're hoping for a big push from that mid-engine Corvette, and we'll see what happens. But but we do need to be figuring out a way. Okay, if this is going this way, what do we do? How do we sell new Chevrolets, whatever they may be in that capacity, um, and how do we get them involved in our sports, not just in the showdown, but in every class. Absolutely agree. And uh, there it is. It's uh, you, you. What has been exciting about this is the manufacturer involvement. And again, 2023, way down the road, 
a lot of good times to be had, a lot of cars to be built, a lot of cars to be raced, a lot of race wins uh, like we saw out in Norwalk. Very exciting. The way the season concludes, it's going to be uh, exciting regardless. Not everybody can win a championship, but we got a couple of guys that got a shot. Bo and Drew going into the season. They were the guys that were very intense about it. And, of course, they have uh, risen to the top. We'll see what happens. Regardless, Brian, I think uh, I am having a great time. This race was um, you know, one of the best that we've had just – through qualifying, uh, the 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 way it was cycling through, and guys were firing shots. Like Kevin Skinner, eighty-seven, like that is a smaller yep. team. That's a family team, and they are in the mix. They just had a, a little problem, otherwise they could have contended for a win. Uh, they've there's a win out there for them as well. So it's gonna it's gonna be great. The next time we talk factory stock showdown, it's gonna be for a thirty-two car field at the U.S. Nationals, the biggest race of the year, regardless of all these like side issues. Everybody wants to win that race. Yes, they do. Um, especially with that 32-car field, it's going to change up the way that kind of people go about uh, qualifying and everything like that um, with our sportsman ladder that we use. So it, it is going to be interesting to see how the teams deal with it. Um, and if you are a showdown racer or if you have one of these cars and you haven't raced in the showdown, um, I am easy to find. I will help you get your license. I will help you walk through all the rules. Uh, my email is brian at samtech.edu. If you have any questions, um, if you want Joe and I to answer questions about that you might have, let us know for the podcast. But, but for right now, if you want to come race at the U.S. Nationals and you have questions about the rules, uh, about anything to do with your car, please email me, B-R-I-A-N at S-A-M. T-E-C-H dot E-D-U, and I will help you become a licensed factory stock showdown racer. Uh, if you need that, if you have questions about rules, text, specs, anything like that, I will be more than happy to pass them on. It's Pat Fingraus, our, our tech director for the showdown um, for the NHRA, and we will get you signed up and ready to go at the 65th uh, running of the U.S. Chevy Performance U.S. Nationals. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting too. But uh, get be a part of this 32 car field. Absolutely, and uh, competition begins with one qualifying session on Friday, August 30th, followed by two qualifying sessions on Saturday, August 31st, and then on Sunday, drivers will compete in two rounds of racing, and eliminations will continue on Monday with the final three rounds. Uh, the winner is going to get 120 points, runner-up 100 points. To me, that's great, and if you have got a car that could qualify 26th, in a 32-car field, you have got a shot to win Indy. These cars blow the tires off. These cars are hard to tune. Kevin Kinsley made the final round a couple of years ago, runnered up in the final round at the U.S. Nationals. The guy in top fuel, we're talking about top fuel, going in, nobody would have told me they saw Kevin Kinsley going to the final round. And this class, in many ways, very similar. You can overpower the track. You can catch some race day luck. You can have some problems and get that race day magic and go on to win Indy with a 32-car field. I think it is a great decision, and I'm super excited about it. Brian, thank you for coming on the show. I love that. Uh, If people have email questions on the show, they should email you, and you'll bring them on the show, and we'll talk about them as we get ready for Indy. Absolutely. All right, Brian, great job. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you, Brian. Brian Massengill from samtech.edu. And 
it's been amazing to watch the class going through some, you know, growing spurts and growing pains and people want to be involved and what should it be and all of these questions. Uh, those are good questions. It means that you've got something that's very popular that people are interested in. And I am excited about the future for the class, uh, regardless of, you know, these little uh, sorting issues that we have going on and the next race of course will be the chevrolet performance u.s nationals now there is one update to a new story that i want to get to we mentioned it with drew skillman and we mentioned it with brian massengill the chevrolet camaro being canceled after 2023 that's a story that uh earlier this week was very very well publicized and a lot of people within drag racing freaked out about it because if you think about all the camaros that are involved in drag racing honestly i understand why some of the ford people are annoyed and certainly dodge and you know look at me i'm a pontiac person by nature and my brand doesn't exist anymore and and was really you know what what can you do what can you do so i understand if you took every single drag race car off the property I bet you 40% of them are Camaros on any given weekend. Why? Well, it's a good, fast car that is uh, accessible to the average person who wants to go out and go drag racing. There's a reason there are so many Camaros. Uh, So the story that the Camaro had been canceled was upsetting to many people. What does that mean? What does it say? What is the problem? What is the issue? And now there are many updates to the story. If you just type in Camaro canceled into Google, you will see countless updates. Report there will be no seventh generation Camaro update. The Camaro has only been delayed, not canceled. So which do you believe? Maybe the initial was a trial balloon by General Motors to see how people would react, and people obviously freaked out. Or maybe it was just bad reporting, or maybe somebody jumped the gun trying to get clicks, you know, getting it first as opposed to getting it right, which is a big problem in all journalism today. People want to be first, not right. Or the benefit of being first is more powerful than the benefit of being right. Even if you're wrong and you're first, you get all these clicks and you grow your uh, persona. You can always say sorry. It's a great challenge in modern Internet-based media. But now you will see there are many stories that say that the Camaro is not being canceled. It has just been delayed. For instance, this one from GMAuthority.com. A new report alleged that the seventh generation Camaro had been canceled, but we have now received new intel indicating the car has actually just been delayed. The report cited unnamed sources who said the seventh generation Chevrolet Camaro has been shelved. It's not that GM is abandoning the Camaro nameplate altogether, though it has rather delayed the introduction of the seventh gen car until further notice. The good news is that the current version of the Muscle Coupe isn't going anywhere soon, with the production expected to last until 2023. And so, like, okay, that does leave potential for a gap in Camaro production, if you really think about it. Those two stories, if you really delve into it, let's say the current version's production ends in 2023, And it has not been canceled, but they're not going to make a new one until 2030. Not canceled, just delayed until 2045. Like, we don't know. So it's a story we're going to keep our eye on. I just wanted to, you know, calm some folks out there. Yes, see, the alarms are going off. People are freaking out. Calm the people out there. 
And there you go. Big thanks to Drew Skillman. Big thanks to Brian Maskingo. Want to remind everybody, Factory Stock Podcast available on Apple Podcast, available on Spotify. You can check out the show. And we encourage you to listen every week. If you're just listening to this show for the very first time, it is not the only one, and you can catch up very easily. I think there has been eight or nine episodes. Go back, start of the season, follow it through, see exactly the ebb and flow of the season. There's three races remaining. Is Drew Skillman going to be the champion? Bo Butner's got to go after him in the first round at Indy. That's what's got to happen. He's definitely going to qualify at Indy. There's a 32-car field. Bo Butner's got to figure out how to go after Drew Skillman first or second round and set up a Titanic matchup. That's what has to happen. Drew Skillman goes out and wins Indy. The championship is pretty much over for the most part, barring some sort of unforeseen circumstances. So that is exciting to think about. Also, my, my final thought about Indy. Earlier this year, Ned Walliser was on the show, and we proposed the 32-car field in Indy, and now it's happening. Now, it's not because of Factory Stock Podcast or anything. It's because of all the fans out there. It's because so many people were interested in the concept, because so many people have purchased these cars. And regardless of the parity adjustments, people will be able to qualify. Will they be able to compete? Well, you think about the golden era of drag racing that everybody talks about when there were you know 64 top fuel dragsters, 64 funny cars, all that stuff. How many of them had the actual opportunity to win the race going into the race? There were a few people, you know, the Snake, Garlitz, Coletta, that, that were the dominant characters out there. But on any given Sunday, anything can happen. And you can find your way to a final round. We saw Clint Satterfield do it in Pro Modified earlier this year. We have seen interesting examples of racers Making their way. Look at Pat Dakin in top fuel, making his way to the final round. Now, in neither of those examples did the Cinderella story go on to win the race. I mentioned Kevin Kinsley going to the finals of the U.S. Nationals a couple of years ago. Uh, In none of those examples did the underdog Cinderella story go on to win the race. But they were there. They were in the mix. They had a shot. And that's what you can ask for. That's what you can hope for. That's all you can hope for. So I think it is a great deal. I uh, do not like the idea that anyone would diminish it. I think it should be super excited. And if you have one of these cars, I think you should get ready for Indy. I think you should email Brian and get ready for Indy and try to go race the car that you bought at the U.S. Nationals. And if you qualify 35th and and miss the show, you were there. And isn't that why you bought the car? Isn't that why Ford... FCA and Chevrolet sell these cars so that someone can have some fun and chase a dream. Well, the dream is out there now, and you've got time. Do it. You can always get a hold of me, Joe, at WFORadio.com, plus the WFO Radio podcast has a Facebook page and a Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram, etc. If you have never heard WFO Radio because you're a diehard factory stock fan, I get it, but I would appreciate if you would listen to the show because we've got all kinds of great guests For instance, uh, you know, Antron Brown, Gage Birch, we do from top fuel champions to half million dollar bracket race winners. 
They all end up on WFO Radio, and of course, that is what spawned Factory Stock Podcast. Big thanks to Brian Massengill, Drew Skillman, for coming on the show. We're really getting to know Drew a lot this year because he is winning a lot. All right, everybody, that's going to do it. We'll see you next time right here on Factory Stock Podcast. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the Blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.